morning. Glory to God. Welcome to Tuesday night Bible study. We're going to be continuing in our talk about love. Uh, we'll see how far we get in this outline on the way down. I, I read and on this outline that I made several years ago, I read on, on this or read some of it and studied some of it again for about the last 20 minutes. Uh, and uh, I thought, you know, let's see, last week I got through, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six. I got through six pages in two hours last week, and there's only about 30 left to go. So I don't know what we're going to get through with them tonight or not. So it may not make it, you know, in one setting, one or two settings. But that's okay. We'll get through with it one of these days. Is that right, Gloria? It don't make it when we get through. We got we got to teach this till Jesus comes anyway. So, <laughs> oh goodness gracious! Well, let's come to the Lord and we'll get started. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, and praise you for the day and for the beauty of the day. And we thank you for the beautiful rain you're going to send, Lord. Whether it's going to be in snow or ice or whatever it is, we need rain. And Lord, we'll take it any way you bring it. Lord, we just want rain. And Lord, we thank you because we know you're the king of kings. And Lord, we want to straighten our act up and we want to walk holy in obedience to your word so you will heal our land. So Father, we thank you and praise you for the privilege to serve you and to walk in your word and learn a little bit about who you are. Lord, thank you for being our Lord, our God, our Savior. Thank you for giving us revelation, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding tonight. Give us deep understanding of your word, all of us, that we may know more when we leave here than we did when we come here. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful word. Now bless it to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. We're going to start with Romans 13.10 tonight. That's going to be the first scripture because this series we're talking about is walking in the God kind of love. And so we've been talking about that God kind of love and uh, what, it, what you can do and uh, what makes things work and everything. And now as we continue on <clears throat> in this God kind of love from Romans chapter 13, verse 10, uh, we see there that Romans 13, 10, it says, Love worketh no ill to its neighbor. Love worketh no ill to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So, if you're walking in the God kind of love, how many wrong things are you doing to your neighbor? Not any. So, now then, who is your neighbor? Well, I mean, you know, the guy might say, well, okay, now that's the guy that lives right on the right and the guy lives on the left. That don't include nobody else. But I'm not sure that's what that means. I think it means your neighbor could be your spouse. You know, your neighbor could be your mother. It could be your father. It could be your loved ones. It could be the guy or girl that works down at the office where you work. It could be the guy that cuts you off and nearly run over you coming down here in a car. <laughs> so you got to learn to do no ill to no one. That's the whole secret. Now, of course, now I realize that's real easy to do. You know, I'll just walk into God kind of love, and that's real easy to do. Uh, I was talking to these two lovely ladies over here just a while ago, and both of them was telling me how they almost almost lied to someone or told something wrong. Amazing how the Holy Spirit convicts them <laughs> whenever they make these little statements. 
You know, it's, 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 isn't it wonderful to have the Holy Ghost when we're walking with God and we're tuned into Him? If we're, you know, we're listening, we'll hear Him so quickly. When we start to do something wrong, in other words, and like anything that's not loving your neighbor, if you make a statement, you will hear that Holy Spirit. You'll, he'll just speak to you. You know, He'll tell you that you've done something wrong. And if, if you don't hear Him at all, and you're doing all those bad things, then you're really so far from God, you know, that he's out there screaming, Hey, Thurman, listen to me. And I'm so dull and dead to the things of the Spirit. I'll just go ahead and do what I want to do anyway. And that's unfortunate. That's the way some of us are. And I used to be that way, and may still be at times. But I'm trying not to be. I'm trying not to be. Love works no ill to anyone. So... Uh, if you're walking in that love kind of God kind of love, then you won't do any of those things. Now, <clears throat> we can't treat people wrong and think we can prosper as Christians. You know, that is one reason there's so much sickness among the Christians. You know, because we do not walk in love. We hold grudges. We will not forgive each other from our hearts. And... <clears throat> What does it mean to get forgive from your heart? You know, that, that means to really treat someone like it never happened. Like it never happened. And that's hard to do, isn't it? You know, it's really hard to do. Now, walking in love is the way to victory in life. Now, if you want to get in the ministry and do what Gloria does... I guarantee you, you better keep your love walk on top. Because that devil, she prays for so many people in a day and ministers to so many people every day. I mean, if that devil can get her out of that love walk, he has accomplished a great, great thing. He'll stop her from uh, getting all these wonderful things done. And so he'll throw lots of obstacles in her path on a normal day to try to get her out of a love walk. But she's not going to let him go there, are you, Gloria? No, 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 you ain't going there. You're going to walk in love. Now, we have to train ourselves to say, this thing I am about to do or say, how will it affect my brother or my sister? Sometimes we really have to stop and think. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this to my spouse. You know, whether you're the man or the woman makes no difference. I'm going to do this. How's this going to affect my spouse? How's it going to affect my brother? What I'm fixing to say. They say something to me, and so I think about, well, you know, gee whiz, if that's what they think, well, I'll just tell them how I feel. And you know what we do so often? We open our mouth and say that before we ask God, Lord, is this the way I should answer this? And if you give him a second, he'd say no. In fact, he's going, he will say to you, if you can't say something better than that, just keep your mouth shut. You know, he can tell you that. So sometimes, especially men and women that are married, you know, a lot of times one of them will do something, not meaning nothing, but it will light the other one's fire. You, all of y'all that are married know what I'm talking about or that have been married and some of you may have been married and are not married because you didn't ever learn these principles. <laughs> you know, or some of you may have been married and divorced and married and divorced three or four times because you did not learn these principles. 
And until you learn these principles, you won't never find a mate you can live with. You know? Now, when you learn these principles, you can find one you can live with. But it takes both of you working together to make it come to pass. It really does. Now then, if love works no ill in marriage, also any time we have a problem between a husband and wife, we need to ask this question. What would love do in this case? What would I do here? You know, I, I will give you all an example. <laughs> sure, well, I have so many examples. I hope she don't mind. But the other night, uh, uh, we went over. We'd been out. And, of course, you know, she's back there. Poor girl. She knows she's, you know, her life's an open book now. You know, she <laughs> but he gives you all an example. You know, here, and, of course, for all, many times, you know, she's out singing at night. And so I stay home usually and I study and I prepare and I do my radio shows and all kinds of stuff. And I don't go out when she goes out with her to sing. And sometimes it'll be 1.30 or 2 o'clock before she'll get home. Now, in the wintertime, when she comes in, you know, she's cold. I mean, even when you've been in the car, you know, when you get out and she comes in and maybe she takes a shower, maybe she doesn't. But anyway... She will come sneak in the bed, and maybe I'm asleep or maybe I'm not asleep, but even if I am asleep, when she sneaks that cold body and them cold legs up against you and lays one of them over you, you know, all y'all let her marry. Oh, David's eyes are squinching already. Oh, he said, I've been there and done that. Oh, <laughs> we've all been there and done that. <clears throat> you know, now... What would a loving husband do to a cold wife that pulls, you know, that touches him? He will scoot over to her, take his warm body, and put against her cold body and warm her up. Now, that's what a loving husband will do. Is that right? Okay. Now, you know what you want to do. You know what you want. Oh, get away from me, woman. You cold iceberg. You wait until you get warm. Then you come over and touch me. Now, I'm telling you all the truth. You all all know. But, you know, if you're loving and kind, you just go ahead and pull her up there and hold her. And you, she's, oh, she's cold. I mean, you know, woo, them legs and everything against your legs are eyes cold. Just like getting a, a hand in the refrigerator, you know, putting it against you. But you just lay there and suffer through it, you know. Why? Because you love. You know, because the God kind of loves in you. You know, and so you know, it only takes a few minutes, you know, and they're warm and they're moving and everything. Well, the other night, I came in early, you know, and I, I mean, uh, not early, Cheryl came in early. In fact, I think it was last Sunday night. She, she was tired. We'd been up late Saturday night, really late, and then got up and came to church and everything. So she was really exhausted. So about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, she said, I'm going home, go to bed. And I said, well, I've got some things I've got to do. I've got to make, get, make a couple of phone calls. I've promised these people. And then I've got some other things to do. I said, so I don't know what time I'll be back over at the house. So I went over to the ministry center, and when I got through the last phone call, it was a little after midnight. And, you know, everybody else was probably in bed by that time, but, you know, not me. Cheryl was, and she was sleeping. And so then I had a conference with some other people for about another hour. So I finally about 1 o'clock in the morning, and it was really nice and cool Sunday night. And so I thought, well, okay, so I walked from the minister center to the house, which really got me good and cool because the wind was blowing. It was nice and cold. So I get over there and, you know, and I 
it was about one thirty. Now she'd been to bed since about ten thirty. So from ten thirty till one, you know how nice and warm she was, right? All covered up with them big, nice, fluffy things. You know, she's so warm and just sleeping so good. And then I get over to the house and I reach in my pocket and I realize I left the key in the house. And now I can't get in the house. So now I got a knock on the door. <laughs> I got a knock on the door. When she gets up and comes to the door, she says, is that you, honey? I said, yes, I forgot my key. So she opens the door and lets me in. I walk in while I want to give her a kiss. Well, she's standing, you know, to, to reward her for getting up to, I'm going to give her a kiss. She's standing on the cold linoleum floor in the kitchen barefooted. And she ain't got time for a kiss. She said, don't touch me. I'm going back to bed. So she runs in there, jumps into bed. So I get a few things ready, everything and everything. And, of course, then finally, when I finally do get in, I thought, well, I'll sneak in real easy. And I did. And when I pushed my knees up, when I laid over my side, I touched the back of her legs right there with my cold knees. And I'm telling you, she jumped through the moon. She said, you are ice cold. Don't touch me. <laughs> now, you know what I wanted to say? <laughs> All this time, you've been coming in, that cold body, and I never one time kicked you away or nothing. That's what I wanted to say. That's the flesh. Y'all know where I'm coming from? That's the flesh. But I scooted back, and I said, okay, honey, okay, okay. Let me get away, and I won't touch you. And then she thought about what she had said. She said, oh, okay. And she scooted over against me and put her warm body against mine. She said, you sure are cold. <laughs> she said, you're usually so warm. I said, I know. But tonight, I've been out in the cold where you've been in a nice warm bed, so now I'm cold. So anyway, the God kind of love finally rose up in her. You know, it took a little while now. It didn't happen instantly. The flesh rose up at first. Because <laughs> when you come in and have to wake your wife up, this you find out where the flesh is. And until she woke up, she was in the flesh, let me tell you. But when she woke up, she finally got into the God kind of love and scooted over, you know, and helped warm my body up too. But I see, this is the way you're supposed to do it. You know, I mean, so easy so easy for that. I saw every one of y'all's faces. You know, you think because you probably had somebody crawl in bed with you like that, either your spouse or one of your children or a loved one or something like that, with a cold body, and you know what it's like. You know, or maybe you just you know been out somewhere doing something. Somebody been where it's cold, and they just run up with their hand in your back or something. You know, and you don't have a shirt on or you've got a split blouse or something. And they put your cold hand on your back. You know, just man, just runs you through the roof. But you find out right there when those kind of things happen, are you going to walk into God kind of love? Or are you going to let the flesh take control and are you going to retaliate? Well, this is where we're supposed to let the God kind of love kick in. You know, and that's the way it's supposed to work. Sometimes it takes a little while, but at least it does work. Praise the Lord. Now, love will work no ill to your mate. You know, whenever something like this happens, you won't retaliate. You'll do good things. Now then, love works no ill to your children. You need to pay attention to how you talk to your children and always be positive when you talk with your children. 
You know, I mean, I just hear so many people cutting their children down and making negative statements and everything. Please, you know, as Christians, now the world, you can't do anything about that. But please try to watch how you talk to your children. If you learn to make this confession from your heart. Number one, the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. See, that's Scripture. I will endeavor to let that love dominate me. I have God's love nature in my heart or in my spirit. If I have the God kind of love or the God kind of nature living in me, if that's in me, how am I going to treat you 24-7? Whether you're you're good to me or bad to me, how am I going to treat you? Huh? Amen. That's exactly right. I'm not going to let anything you say to me cause me to retaliate and do something bad. I'm going to love you like a daughter in Christ, right? That, now, now we find out what we're made out of on a day-by-day basis. I know none of y'all ever fall like I do. Every once in a while, I get knocked down and have to, you know, sometimes I go plumb under in the mud. I hope y'all don't have those kind of days, too. And then I have to get up and be power washed, you know. <laughs> not just rinsed off, not just a rag, I mean power washed. It takes more than 3,000 pound power washers to clean me up once in a while. Anybody, I mean it's confession night, anybody ever had a day like that in your life besides me? Oh yeah, okay, this long, long, okay. Now then, but if, even if we would make this declaration more often and think about this as children of God. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart so that I can love the brethren. So I can love you. I don't care what you do to me. I'm going to love you. And when you love, love never fails, does it? It does not fail. Number two, this statement I'm going to say, Therefore, I will not let my natural human reasoning dominate me. I am not going to let my natural human reasoning dominate me. And if you don't fill yourself with the Word of God on a regular basis, that will happen automatically. Your natural human reasoning will retaliate. I mean, it will take control of you. It will dominate you. It will just be, I mean, you need to refuse to allow the flesh to rule you. I mean, refuse, absolutely refuse. Paul said he had to beat his body to make it, to bring it into subjection to him, the spirit. I mean, the flesh wants to do things wrong. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what your, what your weakness is. You know, if your weakness is, 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 well, I can say one thing. My honey bunny has just almost virtually completely overcome one of her greatest weaknesses since we got married. And you know what that was? Dr. Peppers. I mean, Dr. She loved them things. I mean, you know, man. I mean, when we first got married, I mean, you know, we'd drive up somewhere and she said, Honey, let's stop by up there at the store. i got to have a Dr. Pepper today. Okay. Well, next day, she said, oh, Honey, let's stop by. I thought, This girl loves Dr. Peppers. I'll buy her a case. I love her. So I bought her a case. And she come home one, opened the doctor refrigerator, and, Ah, what, where did these come from? I said, Well, Honey, they're Dr. Peppers. I bought them. What in the world did you buy these for? I said, because I love you and I thought you like them. She said, don't you ever do this again. 
I said, what? Why? She said, I can't control myself with Dr. Beverage. <laughs> I said, I said, something I should have said as a, as a new husband. I said, well, learn some discipline. <laughs> that wasn't exactly the God got of love on the day. <laughs> learn some discipline, girl. <laughs> so you see how easy it is to step out of this love walk? Well, after we drink, after we drink those slowly but surely, we were trying to both get off them because I like them too. You know, every time we just stopped to get one, I'd say, well, I think I'll just sin with you. You know, I'll just have one too. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're going to sin, I might as well sin too. Good grief, you know, because I like them too. i got a weak-willed nature. My flesh wants a Dr. Pepper. You know, so, but I will have to say, neither one of us has drank much Dr. Pepper. Very little, maybe a half or something like that in the last uh, two or three months. We just about... Totally, completely got off of those. But let me tell you, that flesh nature will rule you. You know, now I think every one of us as Christians know that soft drinks is not good for us. We know they're not. they got too much sugar in them. We know the carbonation takes water out of our body. We know all these things. And we still drink them crazy things. You know? So, that's having to overcome the flesh. Because the flesh will rule you if you will let it. Then you need to say, I'm going to walk in the Spirit by walking in love. I am a lover and not a hater. We need to strive to be the God kind of lovers and not the devil kind of haters. Then, I will practice and exercise the fruit of love so that it can grow and increase. And we learned last week that love is a fruit. And so we got to practice I will practice and exercise the fruit of love. I mean, just like a while ago, uh, again, Cheryl's my best teaching tool. She was back there just working hard as she could, putting out tapes and all kinds of stuff, and there wasn't a single person here except me and her. And it was about 6.30 or 6.20 or whatever it was. I went running back there, and I told her, I said, come here. I want to love you. She's been out running around with Christ uh, Haven stuff today. Meeting with people and collecting money and buying toys and all all day long. She left in a, a rash this morning, you know. I mean, she's so whizzy and, you know, she's been going like that all day. And so I hadn't even got to see her. So a while ago when we got here, we had to come in different cars and everything else. And so uh, she's standing back there and I run back there and told her, I said, come here, woman. I'm going to love you just a minute. And I went over there and began to hug her and hold her. And she said, you still love me, don't you? And I said, yes. But I said, I'm going to do this before everybody gets here because I don't want everybody to know when they come in, they see me kissing my wife, they might think I love you. <laughs> see, I'm practicing. That's the easy way to practice a God kind of love, isn't it, David? But now, see, we need to do that. It pays good dividends. And as busy as she was, she took a few minutes out to love me in return. You know, so it pays good dividends to spend a little time loving your mate. You know, so if you've got one, you know, regardless whether it's a man or a woman, you know, whichever way we're going here, take time to love your mate. <clears throat> Practice and exercise the fruit of love so that it can grow and increase. Another way I will practice a God kind of love is by taking no thought for a suffered wrong. I mean, you know, somebody does you wrong, hey, forget it, right? Get over it. You know, just, I mean, don't meditate on those things. When people meditate on those things that are wrong, the more you meditate on it, 
the worse you get. You know, so just, hey, chalk it up and throw it away. You know, don't, don't, if somebody does you wrong. I mean, I've heard people say, well, you know, yeah, old John, he done me wrong 25 years ago on December the 13th at 6 p.m. in the afternoon. I forgave him for that, but he better not ever do it again. If he still remembers it like that, he didn't, never, he didn't forgive him nothing, did he? No, he's still holding that against him. But it's easy to hold a grudge, you know, so we need to get rid of all that stuff. I will also practice thinking the best of everyone so my love can grow and develop and I can be a blessing to many. You need to, we need to start thinking the best of everyone. You know, that, that's very, very, very hard to do. To think the best about everyone. It's so easy to think evil. I will make the love of God my great quest in life. I will make this God kind of love my great quest in life. For then my love shall abound and God shall reap the glory. That's, what, that's some of the things we need to do. I will make the love of God my great quest in life. Lord, this is what I want to do. If faith only works through love, if we don't love, we won't never see God do very much when we pray. But if we're walking that God kind of love, there is no limitations to what He can do, is there, Sharon? Absolutely. And it's, it's just like we have never understood these things in the church, or so many of us. I keep referring to myself. I think for years and years, I did not understand these principles. But here they are, right here in the Word of God. <clears throat> The other night I got in and there was a note there on my desk to call this lady. And uh, I called her. And she, when I called, there was another lady answered the phone. And she said, who's calling? And I told her, Thurman Scrivener with the Living Savior Ministry. She said, oh, yes, Miss So-and-So really wants to talk to you. And I said, well, fine. And she went and got her and brought her up there. And she said, oh, Pastor Thurman, I, I am so grateful you called me. She said, I watch you on television every time you're on. She said, I love your teaching, and I want you to pray for me. I said, what's wrong with you? And she told me a couple little things wrong with her. I said, well, that's not very much. You're in really pretty good shape. She said, yeah, I'm not bad to be 99, and I'm fixing to be 100 just in a few days. Wow. Now, let me tell you. There's a little gal that's done something right in her life. You know it? But obviously, she's really walked with God to be in that good of health. Virtually, she had a little bit of problem with her eyes. And and, uh, unless there was one other little thing. Oh, her hearing hearing was getting a little bit bad. She wanted me to pray for her hearing. I had to talk a little out on the telephone. But for 99, I thought, man, this is awesome. This woman, she said, I love God with all my heart. I thought, you know, if we could all take an example from this little lady and walk in this God kind of love, we might be in that good shape when we get to be 99 and fixing to be 100. And man, she, said, she didn't know where it sounded like she was 100. I can tell she was a little bit older, but I had no idea she was 99, I'll tell you for sure. Wow. So I will make the love of God my great quest in life for then... My love shall abound and God shall reap the glory. Now we just, we just need to learn to thank the Lord and worship Him and praise Him.
for giving us all this revelation that he's given us from the Word of God. Now then, divine love. Divine love comes through in the evidence of the new birth. Many people think they're going to heaven because, number one, and I hear these are questions, these are statements I put down because I hear this all the time. Do you think you're going to go to heaven when you die? Oh, absolutely. And I have joined the church. You know, I mean, I, I joined the First Baptist Church at whatever. And so I'm going to heaven because I'm a member of the church. I've been baptized in water. I mean, I, I know I'm going to heaven because they baptized me when I was three days old or three months old or whatever. So I know I'm going to heaven. I'm okay. I hear this a lot. You know, if you if you've joined the church, really, technically, let's just think about that a minute. If you really have joined the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, how did you really join the church? How did you really do that? When you confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and it was a real revelation in your heart that the Father raised him from the dead to pay the price for your sins, when that became a real revelation to you, right there is when you joined the church. That's when you joined the church. You know, you could have been out, you could have been flying in an airplane, you could have been driving your car, you could have been out in the backyard in a swimming pool, you could have been walking down the street, you could have been in church. It doesn't make any difference where you were. You joined the church of the living God when you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit baptized you into Jesus. And that's when you got saved. When the Holy Spirit baptized you into Jesus. And you became a member of the church. Now then, of course, the scripture that confirms that is in Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 10, which tells us that if we confess what I just said, that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and believe the Father raised Him from the dead, that's where that scripture at, is at. Now, that's, that scripture in Romans 10, 8, 9, and 10, every Christian should have those verses committed to memory. I mean, if there's any scripture you should have committed to memory, is those. So there's somebody said, well, I don't know how to get saved. You can take them to Romans 10, 8, 9, and 10 and show them what the Word of God says. And if, and if you do it like I did, you know, I can remember that we had a guy come to Lakeland Baptist Church one time. And he said, I'm going to teach a course. We had three nights, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. And he was going to teach us how to lead somebody to Jesus. So, man, I went. I'm a deacon in a church and I never led nobody to Christ. I don't know how to do it. <clears throat> What a shame. That should be one of the first things we learn. But I've been in church for years and years and years and didn't know how to lead somebody to Jesus. I mean, I could lead you if you'd let me brag you down to the preacher. I could do that, but that's all I knew how to do. I didn't know how to take the Word of God and, and get you saved. But this guy, he sat there with us every night for three nights, and I think how little I knew. Nothing. And he showed us all these different scriptures and I got enough revelation, I marked and highlighted and went to the front of my Bible and step number one, this is what I need to do, go to page number whatever, Scripture so-and-so, and that's the first step. And I kept, every time we'd go through those, I would do that. When I got through with those three nights, I could open the front of my Bible and say step one says page number so-and-so, because I didn't know the Scripture very well. 
So I could turn to page number 1059 or whatever it was and flip over there. And right there, I had it highlighted. And I said, okay, this is step number one. This is what the Bible says you have to do. And, of course, the very first man that ever led to Christ was down in New Orleans, Louisiana. Actually, Kenner. It's a little division right out there in it was. I guess it's still there. Kenner didn't wash away, I guess. But that young man, I led him to Jesus for that very Bible with those marks. I went to reference number one, took him to the Bible, and done all those things. And after I got through with all that, I said, would you like to do that? He said, I sure would. I said, gee. And then I had a sinner's prayer written out. You know, I read it. I didn't even know how to pray one. I mean, that's how little I knew. So, I mean, tell you, if you think you don't know anything, you should have been with me. If you ain't never seen an introvert till you've seen me. Somebody says, you were never an introvert. You yell, hey, you don't know me then. But, you know, you can change over the years. You can become very bold with the Word of God. You know, you can learn who these devils is, and you can walk into God kind of love. And then you can take the Word of God and the sword of the Spirit. You can cut their head off, can't you, Michael? <laughs> Amen. You're not afraid of nothing once you learn the Word. But when you do that, you can get these people saved. You can tell people about Jesus because the love of God will be in your heart and you will have to tell people about the best thing that's ever happened to you. It just, you can't contain it. Now then, 1 John 3, 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, it says, We know that we have passed from death unto life. We know. Now, this is a statement from the Word of God. In 1 John three fourteen. we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Now you, all of a sudden, you don't hate everybody anymore. I mean, you know, some people just don't like nobody. I mean, nobody. And, and some people that say they're Christians live there. So that's when the Lord says, hey, you know, if you don't love... Everybody, including your enemy now, you got a problem. You need to get saved. You know, when you see somebody say, well, you know, I just can't stand him. Or I just can't stand her. You say, or they, I've even heard people say, man, I hate him. You say, well, gee, I sure wish you were a Christian. <laughs> well, I am a Christian. You go to church? Yeah. You really think you know Jesus? Yeah. Well, then you need to do something different because you just said you hated that man. Now, the Word of God says we know that we have passed from death to life. Maybe you haven't passed from death yet. You know, so see, this is what people are thinking, right? We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brother. And if you love the brother, you ain't going to say you hate him, right? Yeah, sure. For he that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Just, gee whiz, that just slaps you right in the face. I mean, all the answers are in the book, aren't they? We know he that loveth not his brother abideth in death. You don't have eternal life in you. If you're hating people, you need to get saved. You need to come to know Jesus. Wow. This is spiritual death now that John is talking about here. When we are born again, we partake of the divine nature, which is God's nature. 
and it is life and love. Now, the, the Word of God answers that over in Second uh, uh, Peter chapter 1. How do you become a partaker of that divine nature? By knowledge of the Word of God. So when you first get saved, you don't know you're a partaker of, of divine nature. I didn't know that. I don't know anybody that when they got saved knew they were a partaker of God's divine nature. It took me years to study the Word of God before I learned that. But one day I did learn that. And when I got a hold of that, I thought, wow, I'm a son of God and a partaker of His nature. That makes me look at myself different. I don't care what anybody else says about me. Oh, Thurman, you're a nobody. You're worthless. <laughs> you got to me too late. I mean, you can say what you want to. I know that's coming from the devil. But Jesus, he says something else about me. And he's the only one that counts. I don't care what you say about me. Somebody may look at you and say, man, you're the worst, meanest woman I've ever seen in my life. You say, that's okay. You can say that whatever you want to. Praise God. But I love you anyway. Is that right, Sharon? That's what you tell them. I love you anyway. Because I'm a princess of the king of the universe. Praise God. He thought a whole lot of me. He died on the cross for me to pay the price for me. He must have loved me a whole bunch. I ain't going to believe what you say. I'm going to believe what he says. And that will change the way you do business with everybody. When you get a hold of this, it will change everything about you. <clears throat> now, the, the Bible clearly says there that if we don't love the brethren, we are abiding in spiritual death. Now then, death was the state we were in before we were born again. Now, that's where we all were. So, when Satan was our father. Now, I don't want Satan to be my father. Do you, Rosemary? Now, I, I, don't, I don't care for that beast. You know, but one thing I do hate, and it's him. Him and his kingdom. Yeah, I don't want nothing to do with that beast. I want to love the brethren. Now, then, in Romans chapter 5, there's some great... In this Romans chapter 5, I made an entire teaching based on this Romans chapter 5. When I read this one day, I thought, wow, if that verse means what it says, I am living way below where I'm supposed to be living. I mean, it's amazing how God put these absolute, magnificent, awesome statements in the Word of God. But in Romans 5.17, he says, For if by one man's offense, which was Adam's, death reigned by one, much more... They which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. Now then, if we receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, which is Jesus, it says we shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. We're not going, you know, here, here's what we say. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Hey, forget about that. What about today? What about right now? I ain't going to stand up here in church and say, when I get to heaven, I want to reign and rule and be happy now, don't you? Hey, the king says, if we receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we shall reign in life right now. And that's what I like. I like reigning and living and having power and authority over the enemy and asking the Lord to do things and seeing Him do things. I love it, don't you? It is so much fun loving and reigning and ruling in the kingdom of heaven, which is right here on the earth with your brothers and sisters in Christ. 
It's amazing what God does. I, I, I'll tell you, Tuesday night a week ago, or actually Sunday a week ago, our freezer had gone out at the minister center. And I thought, gee, I'll go out and buy one. So I went down to Home Depot and walked in and looked at a brand new one. And it's just like the Holy Spirit said, no, you don't need to buy that. I thought, well, Lord, we sure do need one. And it's just like he said, no. Okay, okay, so no problem. I thought, I know, Sunday. I'll just make an announcement Sunday, and maybe somebody will have one. Sunday, come to church. I never even thought of it. Went right through Sunday. I got home. I mean, we, the church was over. We, I walked in the ministry. I thought, oh, good grief. The freezer's missing. I was going to make an announcement. I forgot it. I said, no problem. I'll do it Tuesday night at Bible study. Tuesday night at Bible study. It was on my mind until I walked in that door, and just like he is. I never, not one thing thought about until I got home. Nope, no freezer. I thought, what is wrong with me? So this last Sunday when I walked in, I wasn't even thinking about it. I walked around the platform and just thought, well, I've got to make a couple of announcements. And then I thought, oh, that freezer. So I made an announcement. If anybody's got a little upright freezer or whatever that you're not using, we'd either love to buy it or, you know, we'd love for you to give it to us as a donation. Whatever you want. And that's all I said. And then at the prayer line, a couple, Manuel and his wife, they came out. I said, how can I pray for you all? He said, we don't need nothing. We just want to give you something. He said, here's our name and address and our phone number. we got a freezer. We don't need it. It's plugged in. It's in, right, standing out in our garage. We don't have nothing in it. Hadn't had nothing in it for two years. Been plugged in for two years, working like a perfect champ. So all you need to do is just come get it, and it's yours. And so Monday night, we run down there and got it. Cheryl and I did. We went down there and got it, brought it in, set it up there, working like a champ. Now, isn't it amazing that, you know, God knew they weren't going to be here till Sunday. And so I made the announcement and we got the freezer. And isn't it wonderful to serve God in the kingdom? He meets every need we have, doesn't he, Elton? I mean, he's awesome. All you got to do is walk in him and he will allow you to reign in life. He'll meet every need you got. I mean, you don't have to be the old backslidden nobody. I mean, if you'll do what God says, He promised in His Word. He said, I know what you have need of even before you ask. But you know what we do? Yeah, we go along and we do it all by ourselves. All this time until we get to where we can't do it. And then we think, Lord. And He says, now you're ready to ask me? <laughs> and you ask and He answers right there. Isn't that amazing? And He says, next time, don't wait so long, my dear. You know, come to me and ask me at the beginning of the day, and I'll meet your needs. And so we pray, and we stand on his word, and he answers and does great and mighty things for us when we walk in obedience to his word. He orders our steps daily. When we get up in the morning, like we were just talking about there a while ago, when we wake up in the morning, the first thing we do is praise and worship the king. And then we thank him for doing all these wonderful things for us, and then at the end of the day we say, you know, Lord, all I did is worship and praise you. I didn't have to ask you for a thing. He said, oh, no, you were worshiping and praising me and loving me, and I was ordering every step of yours today. You didn't have a single problem. I directed you the right place everywhere. You made a wonderful business deal over here, or you got this here, and I was ordering your steps because you were obedient to walk in love and do what I said. It's like today, Cheryl. Her steps were ordered to the Lord. My lands. You know, she went, play, got up early this morning, gets in that car. She goes down, starts raising money and buying gifts for them children for Christ's haven. She'd been busy all day. 
I mean, the car's plumb full of gifts, you know, and all, she raised all kinds of money. Now, I think she's raised about ten or $12,000 so far, you know, and she's out spending that money, man. Ain't nothing a girl likes to do better than to spend money, right? Go into a place and walks into Walmart and tell them what it's all about, and the guy says, no problem, we'll sell you anything you want, and we'll give you an extra 10% off, you know. So, lots of people have. It's wonderful. We shall reign in life. The Lord said it's much better to be able to give than to receive. And all them poor little 44 children over there that need, see, their mothers and daddies never learned these principles we're talking about tonight. That's why their mothers and daddies are where they are. That's why they're in prison. That's why they got the problems they got. And that's why them poor little children are over there in that orphanage. But praise God, we got Christian men and women. That's going to give them a good Christmas. That's going to help them out and go to do wonderful things. We reign on this earth in the name of our king. We reign. There should never be a Christian going around grumbling and complaining about, oh, woe is me. You know, if we don't know how to do something, seek godly counsel. You know, don't do anything without seeking godly counsel. Really, you know. I mean, I've, I've done too many things in my life without seeking godly counsel, and I have paid dearly for those things. You would think one day I would finally learn. I think I finally am. But it's, it sure has taken a long time. But, anyway. Therefore, in verse 18, it says, Therefore, as by one, the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. When we were justified, when we accept Jesus Christ and we step into this place of love with God because of His love, He cleanses us and washes us and picks us out of that miry pit. And I don't care how thick the crud is on you, He power washes you and makes you white as snow and makes you just as if you had never sinned. I mean, of course, I know that's Cheryl's favorite verse in, in uh, Psalm 103, verse 12. He put my sins as far as the east is in the west. Because whenever the Lord first brought her to me, she said, I can't believe God's given you the worst sinner in the church. I told her, if she said that about five times, I said, honey, I don't want to hear you say that no more. You don't minister to these people like I do. There's a lot of them out there just as bad or worse than you are. So don't say you're the worst sinner in the church. But you only know your sins, see. But when you minister to a few people, you find out, hey, we are, we are a terrible, wicked bunch. You know, we've been there and done some awful things. Now then, uh, I want to ask this question tonight. Who in here has never sinned in your life? Oh, we ain't got no takers. So that means we have all been unworthy bunch of rotten sinners, right? Now then, when Jesus cleaned us up, how clean did he make us? Ooh, don't we love that? Now then, once He made us pure, are we, are we the righteousness of God in Christ? Can we stand before the throne of God and come busting in there and say, Hey, Daddy, isn't that a privilege? What a privilege. We've been made just as if we had never sinned. I, that's awesome to think about the wicked places we've lived. And of course, the thing you've got to remember, somebody, when we really think about what he said in the law. If you're guilty of breaking the law in one point, you're guilty of every bit of it. Somebody said, well, gee, I have, I lied a couple of times. 
you know, and I might have had a bad thought about somebody else. And he says, well, so far you're a lying, worthless, you know, adulterer, and you think you're going to get to heaven? I don't think so, before a righteous and holy God. So without Jesus, none of us have a chance. But with Jesus, we have been justified, made just as if we had never sinned. And we, as the church, technically speaking, when we get justified, when we come to Christ, we should spend more time teaching the new convert what they have and who they are. We should have classes to teach them so they know the goal is to never sin again after that. You know, stay just as if we had never sinned. Stay clean and pure before the Lord. I mean, think about you. How many of you in here would like to have a mate that we were mate, and when you came, and you all came together as one, and then a week later or a month later, your husband or your spouse, you found them out with somebody else? Would you like that? No. That would break your heart. You know, that's what God, that's what we do to God. We go out and commit spiritual adultery. We walk right back over in the devil's world. We lie again or cheat or do whatever we do. We go right back into the devil's world. And I'm telling you, it's a good thing he's God. Because, you know, most of us as human beings, we might be able to forgive somebody depending on what the sin was. A time or two or three. But after that, forget it. Your patience runs out. You say, that's it. I can't handle this no more. You know, But God, he don't never give up on us. I mean, that's that. if I think about that, of course, I've told you that story several times about Cheryl's dad. When she, her daddy, did not walk with God and how he took his name in vain, no telling how many times a day. It was a standard way of life to use GD for him. And yet, whenever he died, and he was laying on that hospital bed and he died, and I was there and I was praying over him and I literally saw him falling backward into the abyss of hell. I literally saw that with my eyes closed. I couldn't open my eyes. I mean, I just, I just all of a sudden, I am not a person that cries. I don't cry hardly for nothing. But, and I didn't even know Howard. I'd only spoken to him once. And I'd only seen him twice in his life. But all of a sudden I began to just have a gully washer. Tears just began to pour out. Because I was seeing a human being fall into the depths of hell. And I said, Howard, call on the name of Jesus. Cheryl said, never, but she don't have a clue what's going on. I said, please call on the name of Jesus. And he's falling backwards and further and further and further down into that darkness. I'm hollering, Howard, please. I'm just crying my eyes. Howard, please call on the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, I see him say, Jesus. And when he did, I saw a bright beam of light come from above. It just lit him up. And he stopped going forward. And he raised up like this. And he just sucked him forward into that beam of light right into the kingdom of heaven. You talk about a forgiving God. If I had have been God and He'd have called my name that many times, that many men, I'd have pushed Him on down in there. <laughs> y'all understand? We're human beings. We can't love like God does. I mean, how many of y'all know where I'm coming from? You know, you would do that. You know, 
But God in His infinite love in His last second falling into hell saved him. And then Cheryl had a visitation from her daddy later after that. That he's in heaven. Isn't it awesome? The love of God. The love of God's beyond my... And, and God tells you and me we're supposed to have that kind of love. Is it kind of hard to walk in that kind of love, Michael? It can be. So, when we really get a hold of this kind of love, it is... It is It's beyond, I think, the ability of the human being to totally grasp the God kind of love. But that's what His commands is for you and me to walk in. Now, if the church, if I, not just the church, if I could get a hold of that and totally walk in that 24-7, how it would impact everybody around me 24-7. That's where I want to walk. That's my goal. But I know I'm not there. But at least I have a goal to shoot for. And we all have that goal. Wow. For in verse 19, it says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. In verse 20, he says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now you talk about an abounding grace. When I saw what I saw with Cheryl's dad, after I, I mean, later she told me the thing. I didn't really know anything about his life. I just know he, he wasn't a faith man. But when she began to tell me, you know, how he used to take the Lord's name in vain and all the things he did... And, and how it was a routine way of life uh, for him to talk like that, I thought, wow. You talk about a love that's beyond my wildest dreams. If you'll call on the name of Jesus, he said, anybody that will call on the name of Jesus will be saved. Didn't he say that? That, that, that love is beyond my grasp. But when I look at it on the flip side, I think, I think about that story. I heard a man tell a story one time, and this story so touched my heart. He said there was a man had a 10-year-old son, and he was working with one of those swing gates over the Mississippi River for, uh, had to be raised and lowered so that the boats could go through. And so that big gate was down, and the trains went across, and said he took his little 10-year-old son out there and he was taking him through and showing him all these big gears and motors and how all this stuff worked. And then all of a sudden, he forgot what time it was. And he heard a whistle blow. He said, oh my gosh, the train's coming. I've got to get up there quick and let the bridge down. Because if I don't, that train load of people will run right out into the river. And they'll all drown. So you ran up there. And he got up there, and he just, he looked down, and there comes the train. He reached down to pull that lever, and he looks, where's my son? And he looks, and his son had slipped off the platform and was laying in those gears down there. We only pray that none of us will ever have to be confronted like this. Now then, 
He's either going to give his son or he's going to take the life of everybody on that train. He don't know none of them, but that's his son. And he pulled the lever. And he watched those gears turn and crush his son. And he watched that bridge go down and lock in place. And he watched the train come by the morning with the people sitting there with their breakfast, with their little stuff as he looks through the windows and they're drinking their coffee and their milk and they're laughing and they go right on by and nobody has a clue what just happened. How would you like to be put to that kind of a test? That man gave his son for a train load of people that he didn't know. But our king gave his son for an earth full of wicked, wicked beings that hated him. That wouldn't do nothing right. While we were yet wicked sinners, Christ died for you and me, Michael. And if he hadn't have done that, you and me couldn't be here today. You know, when you stop and think about this kind of love that we're talking about, you know, I can't, I can't fathom that, but if that had been my son Tim laying down there, could I have pulled that lever? Maybe 150 people would have died, but I didn't know them. Was there children on that train? Oh yeah, probably many of them. Would they have all died? Yeah, chances are. Bodies might have been mingled, but he knew if he didn't pull that lever, there was going to be multitudes die. But he knew if he did pull that lever, that his son was going to be crushed in them big gears. And he was. The little kid was totally killed, crushed. I thought, wow. And to think, up here in heaven, sits the king of the universe. And he sent his only son down here to this earth. And he walked perfect before him. And he was well pleased for 30 years, 33 years. And now he has to turn his back while the people down here and the demons of hell, his enemies, kill his only son so you and me can be saved. Did it take some kind of love to do that? And we forget that love. We really forget. I mean, it's easy. It's easy in the course of the day to forget it. You know, it's easy to go do your own thing and think, well, you know, it wasn't nothing. Yeah, if it would had have been your son, it would be something. I can only see us now, you know. Wow, that, that's when I heard that story, and I, that was told for a true story. And I thought, wow, what a man, what a what a test that man went through that day to give his son for a trainload of people that he didn't know. It really took a man, didn't it? It really took a man to give, to have that kind of love, to do that for a bunch of people he didn't know. And some of those people probably would not love him at all. Some of them are probably wicked. Who knows what they were? But he gave his son for those people. But 
The picture is a whole lot bigger when you think about what Jesus did for you and me. But I want you to know, and I want him to know tonight, I will be eternally grateful for what he did for me. Eternally grateful. And that ought to, if we could remember that, we, it would be easy for us to walk into God kind of life. But you know how easy it is for the devil to throw a black mantle over you and you forget totally what that was all about? Sure. It's real easy to not even remember it. Hmm. Verse 21 says that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. We're going to reign there with the king. I mean, wow. Now, the love of God in our heart is the proof that the next verse is true. And Colossians 1.13. Colossians 1.13. Now this God kind of love. Colossians 1.13. This is one of my... I have many favorite verses, but this is one of them. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Colossians 1.13, when I think about there I was swimming around over there in the cesspool of the world. Have any of, any of y'all ever lived in a place where you had a septic tank and you were out when they pulled the lid off of it and you looked down in it? Some of y'all have seen that. Well, you can imagine what I'm talking about, right? You do know what a septic tank is, don't you? You know what goes into septic tanks, right? Very bad smelling stuff. But whenever that stuff accumulates in there, in the cesspool of the world, that's where you and I were swimming around. That's in the devil's world. Now we were out there, and we wasn't just we wasn't walking on top of that stuff. We're down in there. The king had to reach his arm down through that stuff to get you. How many of you have ever, how many of you have dropped a ring or a watch or something in a clean potty, but still you had, you hesitated before you'd stick your hand down into clean water to get it? But how many of you have dropped something like that in there after you've used it? You didn't want to stick your hand down in there and it was your own stuff. It just came out of your body. And you didn't want to take your hand down there and get that ring or whatever because it was you knew that was bad stuff. Well, now, if that was the wicked stuff, who knows what was in that stuff. But here we are slopping around out there. Who would want to reach their hand down in there to get you out of that stuff? I wouldn't. But the king, here we are, swimming around in that stuff, having a good time. We think we're doing all good. Oh, we're just flopping around down in there, you know, just dying and going to hell, think we're having a good time. And somehow we come to know Jesus and he goes out there and reaches that clean white arm with that white robe, sticks it plumb down into wherever you are, how far you are down, and he grabs a hold of you and he picks you up and he power washes you with his blood and he sets you over here and puts you in his kingdom and now you're just as white and clean and smell good as you ever smelt in your life. And every time one of us does it, he reaches over and gets you. Now you're supposed to stay over here now. 
Whatever you do, after he's paid that price, doesn't it? Don't go walking back over and jump back in that nasty stuff. You know, people in the church do that all the time. I don't know. They must have liked it so well they just run back over and just do a belly flop right back in it. I can't believe we do this after what God's done for us. Remember what the price He paid so that you can be delivered from that slop, the darkness of the world, and translated in. Does it? Sure. Would it take a little bit of love for you to reach your arm down in something like that to get somebody out? Huh? You ain't going to answer that, are you? <laughs> well, you don't even want to go there. It would take some love to reach their arm down in that cesspool to get them out of there, wouldn't it, Michael? Hey, that's a man's job. Okay, that's a good answer coming from a woman. <laughs> you had to think of all to get out of that one, sure. That's okay. <laughs> well, let me tell you, you know, it happens. And, you, and, and somebody has to do that. You know, so, wow. But we think about, we think about what the Lord did there in Colossians 1.13 when He delivered us from the power of darkness, Satan's kingdom, and translated us into the kingdom of light and gave us all this wonderful power and we can reign and rule on this earth if we'll just stay in his kingdom. Now, you can't reign and rule. If you go back over, belly flop back into the slop of the world. You can't reign and rule over there. Mm. Now, if you don't have God's love in your heart, you are not saved. Is that what the Scripture says? The Scripture says... This is how we know that we're children of God because we have the God kind of love in our heart. So if you don't have that God love in your heart, you're not saved. You need to get saved. If you still hate your brother, I remember reading a book one time about John Lake. And John Lake, he was sent to Africa. And he got up there and he was preaching. And of course, in Africa, there's a lot of black people. You know, there was a lot of them. So he was up on a platform. He had some black people up there with him. And some of the white people walked up and said something nasty to him. Said, if you have anything to do with that black man, you ain't fit for nothing. John Lake walked over and put his arm around one of them black men and kissed him on the cheek. And he said, the Word of God says, he who hates his brother is going to hell. And eternal life is not in you. He said, you men need to get saved. He said, you may be in a church, you may be a pastor, but you don't know Jesus. Now see, he demonstrated the love by putting his arm around that man, kissing him on the cheek to let them, said it made him so mad. And he just told him, the love of God not in you. You guys need to get saved. You guys are going to hell. Is that what the Word says? That's what the Word says. When the love of God is shed in our we shall love the brethren. Did God say anything about what color we had to be? I didn't read that nowhere, did you? No. We all belong to Him. Read to make here what color we are. We're supposed to love everybody the same. If you don't, the love of God's not in you, is it? Amen. You can't show favoritism and know and know the love of God, you know. It's amazing what people do. In 1 John 3, 14, we'll read that again. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. 
That's about as clear as you can get. Now, no is positive, isn't it? We don't think. We know he is not talking about physical death here. This is spiritual death. Physical death is the last enemy to be but underfoot. Where does death come from? The devil. There is no death in heaven. None. Because there's no devil in heaven. It does not come from God. God calls it the last enemy. Death is the last enemy to be put underfoot. Did you know? I'm going to make a blatant statement from what I've learned about reading this book. If we could walk into God kind of love, we would never have to die. We would walk in immortality right here on this earth and we would never have no sickness, no disease and we'd be the most powerful thing on this earth. And we would totally eliminate any kind of want or need on this earth if we could walk into God kind of love because we would be young and vibrant and strong and we might be 150 years old, but you'd look like you're 30 years old. I mean, that's what God says in His Word. You know, if we prayed over everything and done what God says with no sin, He said that in His Word in many places. Of course, you know, I've told that story many times about the two old men sitting on the corner, you know, when the guy come down and they're white-headed and beards and all this stuff, and the guy says, gee, he says, sir, you know, what do you contribute your long life to? And the old guy said, wow, he said, to go into church loving Jesus and walking in love and doing everything the Lord says. He said, well, great, how old are you? He said, 96. He said, wow, you've really done good. He said, how about you, sir? What do you contribute your long life to? He said, running around with a different woman every night, raising hell on this earth, smoking and drinking, smoking every day and drinking, a fifth of booze every day. He said, good grief. He said, how old are you? He said, 26. (laughs) But they both looked the same age. You see the difference? I mean, that death devil's world will take a toll on your flesh. I mean, it'll kill your flesh. And I think of how many... I ministered to a man right back here at that table, right back there, brought him in before a healing school the other day, brought him Amarillo for me to pray for. His wife was still young and strong. They were about 60. That's not old, let me tell you. He was in a wheelchair and had just come from the hospital with had taken out a big chunk of his lungs. And he was in excruciating pain. I said, how have you abused your body at 60 to be like this? I said, were you a smoker? He said, unfortunately. He said, I smoked probably three packs a day for 40, over 40 years of my life. Had he listened to the wrong voice? Was he now paying a toll for his sin? Yeah. In excruciating pain, lungs burn up, cost all that money, and he's in a wheelchair, 60 years old, and couldn't even stand up. Had to have his wife push him around. Sin has a consequence, and nobody gets by. It pays the same toll on everybody. So don't go there. It pays good dividends to walk in obedience to the Word. Doesn't it, Rosemary? Yeah, amen. Take good care of this body. Pray over everything. Ooh, it pays good dividends. I love it. You know, I love it. Man. And I just think, even in the little bit of things I've done wrong in my life, 
if I hadn't done none of those things wrong. I wonder how much better shape I could be in. Wow. I want to be in good shape, don't you? I want to be able to get up and run and play and go do what I want to do. You know, I don't want to have to, you know, be weak. And, and today, I, oh man, I was in the uh, Home Depot and Lowe's and all kinds of places looking for stuff today. And I thought, how many people I come up to that were riding around on those little electric scooters in the store? I thought, is this sad? And I thought, ma'am. I didn't go tell them that because I thought, I want to walk up and say, ma'am, if there's anybody in this store who needs to be walking, it's you. You need to be up walking. I know, I didn't say that. That's why I didn't say it. <laughs> you, know, you, that, you know, it's the flesh, you know, because that's true. They needed to have exercise. You know, of all people, we need to exercise. God made this body to exercise. In fact, today while I was going up north up here to Sanger to pick up some stuff, I was listening to a Christian radio station, and it says that from 6 to 10, there is 80% more overweight children, obese children. And teenagers, no, it was 50%, 50 or 60% on those, and 80% on teenagers. Teenagers, you know, 13 to 19 they're 80% more obese than there was 10 years ago. Now, what's wrong? Something is wrong. You know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. Going home, sitting home in front of that computer with them two little things in your hand, playing them games all day long. Drinking them soda pops. Eating that ice cream. You know, I'm t- you know, eating all that fatty. Is that right, Rosemary? That's what they're doing, right? They're eating all this junk food and they're really no exercise whatsoever. Your thumbs don't take no exercise. And that's what they're doing. I mean, I have went into Walmart and sat there and watched children sit right there for hours. I go do something, shop, come back, and that same kid standing right there with them little deals playing that same game over and over and over. Hey, they need to be outside running, playing, getting some exercise. Wow. I think about us. Wow. You know what? Those children that start out like that, that are that obese at that age, do you know that those children are listening to the wrong voice? And did you know that those children, many of those children may not live to be 40 or 50 years old? Because of their obese situation. Your heart has to work so much harder when you're obese. You know, now maybe the world can't do nothing about that, but the church can. God says we're supposed to present our body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. So, you know, don't, don't, I mean, just because, just because we have the ability to eat three or four times a day, don't eat three or four times a day. Just eat a little when you're hungry. I mean, last night we stopped, or no, it's not before last, Monday, Sunday night, and we stopped at a restaurant, and I had a chicken fried steak, and it had two pretty good sized steaks on there, and a big helping of mashed potatoes. Well, I ate one of those steaks and about half of those potatoes and, and, and some corn that come on there. And, man, I'm full. I am comfortably full. Now, I either got a choice, either to pig out and eat the rest of that or to leave it on the plate and let it go back or to ask for a takeout and to take it home with me. And guess what I did? I got a takeout. I put it all in there. I carried it out the front door with me. And this afternoon, that was a beautiful meal for me. 
After I run around all day, I thought, wow, before I go to the Bible study tonight, I'll run by about whatever, 3 o'clock or whenever it finally was. And I went and got that little piece of steak and those potatoes and throwed them in the microwave. Of course, after I throwed them in the microwave, I sure did pray over them strong. <laughs> you know, because I know the radiation is not good for you either. Is that right, Eldon? That's right. That microwave is not good for you. So I sure did pray. Lord, whoa, Lord, whatever that, that radiation did, take it out. You know, make it, you know, got to do something. So I pray. He said, ask anything, didn't he? Didn't the king say that? Okay. So I'm, I'm believing. I'm believing. I am believing with all my heart that that little piece of steak and those mashed potatoes that I ate this afternoon, middle of the afternoon, was a whole lot better for me after I prayed over it than it would have been if I'd have eaten it without praying over it. Especially after I put it through that microwave. Because <laughs> microwaves, I know. You know, I know what that does. It, it's very, very, it's not good. I know that for a fact. Now then. Do, oh, they're outlawed in Russia? Wow. Outlawed in Russia, and here we are killing ourselves with them. You know, that, that figures, though. That figures. Wow. Now then, in 2 Corinthians 5.14, here, here is a good thing, and, and we talked about this just a little bit while ago, me and these two wonderful ladies right over here. Uh, I don't know if they realize this is what we were talking about here or not, but this, is, this fits what we were talking about, 2 Corinthians 5.14. For the love of Christ constrains us. You all see where I'm coming from right there, right? The love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Now, if you are saved, you will act different. If you are saved, you will act different. And if you will stay in the Word, you will continue to be different as you renew your mind day by day. Because the love of Christ will constrain you from doing things that are wrong. Let me ask this question at Bible study. How many of you in here have started to do something or did something or told something and immediately the Holy Spirit quickened you and let you know that wasn't right? Everybody in here had that experience? I think everyone, I know. Okay, so that's 100% of us. All of us have had the Lord tell us. I mean, just like we were saying there a while ago, <laughs> I got tickled. She said, somebody asked me the other day, have I, had you read this article? And she said, I said, oh, yes. And she said, immediately the Holy Spirit said, no, you didn't. You just lied. You didn't read that. You skimmed it. <laughs> See? See? In other words, what, have you read it? Well, yeah. No, 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 no. She did skim over it, but she didn't read it. Now, skimming over it and reading it is two different things. Because you get a few, uh, you know, and, and Sharon was talking about some same way. So the Holy Spirit convicted her before she went there. She was fixing to say something and the Holy Spirit right there on pounding on her door and she said, whoops, I ain't going there. I ain't going there. So, and probably if we would all listen, he would probably tell us in, a, in, in advance, I should say. Because you said, you said you knew it just as soon as you did it. I mean, bam, come out of your mouth. You knew. He'd already, that's the way he does all of us. Yeah. You've had him do that, haven't you, Donna? Yeah. You say something or do something and he says, well, that's not right. Well, well, you know that's not right. So when people say, God, don't talk to me. 
He really does talk to you. Yeah, anybody tell me God don't talk to you, you're born again. You need to get saved. That's all I got to say. Because if you're saved, He talks to you. And you'll know that. Now, see, we will hear those little things when He talks to us in the Spirit. But what we want to hear is Him to jump up and say, Hey, David, you did that wrong. That's what, that's what we expect when He talks to us. That's what we're expecting Him to say. But He usually don't do that, does He? Just so gently said, Donna, you missed it there, girl. Isn't he so nice and gentle? Usually, he really is. He really is. But he talks to every one of us. Because every one of you, I think every one of you held up your hand that you'd had him convict you at times when you did something, you did it wrong. And so that's, that's the way he is. For the love of Christ constrains us. He will do the best he can to keep us on the straight and narrow. Then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17... It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, you're supposed to, like I say, that's the best example I can give you. When he reached over there in the slop pit of the world and pulled you out and power washed you with his blood and you became that white, beautiful, I don't understand that, do you, Gloria? How he can take that filthy thing. I mean that, oh, that dirty rag. And power wash it in red blood. And it take on a brand new white snowflake dress. I, the gown. I just, that's beyond me. But he does that, doesn't he? That's what he makes us clean and pure. And we become a brand new creature in Christ. Wow. Now, you have to keep yourself under because the mind and the flesh do not become new at this time. Now that mind, you know, and that piece of flesh. Oh, this beast. If this beast liked to tell dirty jokes before you got saved, it probably the next day. Or I, I think about a guy one time, he come to church and this guy got saved. I mean, he had, a, had an experience with God and it was awesome. And he was walking home after church that night and he had to cross the railroad tracks and he had been raised up, I mean, if you want to call the wrong side of the tracks, I mean, in a bad home and profanity run wild and, and dirty jokes and everything else. And that night, he, after he's leaving church, he's going home and he is just singing, praising the Lord. And he's running across them railroad tracks and he stumbles and falls and busts his knee and everything else. And guess what come out of his mouth? It wasn't praise the Lord. So his, his flesh didn't get saved, did it, Michael? That old flesh had all that old junk in there still in there, wasn't it? I mean, he jumped up cussing and raising cane. You'd thought he was that sailor he was before. And the old devil then will come up to you and say, Oh, you old worthless critter, you thought you got saved down there. But see, he hadn't had time to renew the mind yet. Because that flesh, I mean, if that flesh... If that flesh likes to do bad things before you got saved, it likes to do bad things after you get saved. Now, you can testify. <laughs> Every one of us can testify that whatever you like to do before you got saved, you still like to do it. I mean, things that were wrong. You still like to do them after you got saved. Now, it really takes some renewing of your mind and your spirit with the Word of God. And if you renew your mind, renew your spirit, you get to where that slowly but surely... I can remember, I didn't have a... 
not a really bad mouth, but I had picked up a few bad words from a few of my friends. You know, I mean, they use words of profanity, so when you're 18, 19, you know, it's just normal. And so I, I knew every time I do that, I knew it was wrong. I mean, that Holy Spirit, you know, somebody would say something, and I'd say a blankety-blank this, you know. And, and so there's that little something in there saying, no, 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 no. Oh, Lord. And then one year I remember making, I said, Lord, this year I'm going to make a New Year's resolution. I am never going to use another word of profanity. I didn't get through the week, you know. And I said, I can't believe I did this. You know, so I tried and I messed up. And the next year I said, Lord, I, I, I made a resolution last year. I am not going to use another word of profanity. I don't even know how many I've used this year. But I said, Lord, I can't do it. So I'm going to turn it over to you. I'm going to ask you to take that away from me. I don't never, I want that vocabulary to be removed from my heart. I want my heart to be clean and pure. I don't never want another word of profanity to come out of my mouth. And you know, I don't have any problem with profanity anymore. I mean, when people hurt me or say nasty things to me or I get hurt or I fall down or whatever, that, those, those, that vocabulary is not there. If it's not there, it can't come out. Because the Lord says what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. So if He has cleaned your heart, you've got a pure, clean heart. So like one day I was standing there and I mean, I had busted my thumb open and the blood, we was putting those screws in a building and I was running down and that screw turned sideways and that turning drill hit me right there and it just ripped that thumb open. I mean, the blood was just gushing everywhere. I reached up and grabbed I'm just gritting my teeth. One of the guys said, well, Scrimner, go ahead and say it. And I said, hallelujah, praise the king. <laughs> That's what's in my heart. See, what was they expecting me to say? Something blankety blank, see, but that, those words are not there. So what's in my heart? That hallelujah praise the king, it was down in there. So when he said, just go ahead and say it, I thought, hallelujah praise the king. And the boy, he said, that's not ex- what I expected to come out of your mouth at all. But what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. You know, so if you've asked the Lord to cleanse and purify that old wicked heart and give you a brand new one, and make it clean and pure without those old vocabularies, you won't have to go around using those kind of languages no more. Now then, this old body will beat up on you if it liked to smoke or it liked to drink or it liked to do drugs or it liked to do anything. You will have to take and capture every thought and cast that thought down or that flesh will beat you. And then one day, you'll be like this young boy that became a Christian and didn't do that. And he overdosed on drugs. I went over and talked to some people just the other night that had a son that overdosed on drugs. Christian boy. Listen to the devil. A devil. That's sad when we do this. Is there any... There's really not even an opportunity for the devil to overdose me on drugs. You know? I never tuck them. I don't have no desire for them. The desire's not in there, so that's not something he could get through to me with. I don't think, you know. I mean, I believe God is so strong in my heart that it would be virtually impossible for that to happen. But I'm going to trust him that he's going to keep me from that. That'll never happen. So 
I, I want enough of the Word in me so that it makes no matter what the devil throws at me. You know, I cannot be tempted with money or, or violence or sex or uh, thievery or nothing. You know, and so far in all of my life, I've passed the test. You know, I have been tempted many times to fall in all of those areas, but praise God, never have. And I don't plan to start now. Don't plan to change. Now then, let's go here a little further. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Now that... Inward man, the spirit or the heart, is only renewed day by day. The only way that inward man is renewed day by day is getting in the Word of God. If you're not in the Word of God day by day, it's not really renewed. You've got to spend time with God if you want to be strong in the Word. Just like I think about, like I told you all the other day when I... I in fact, last Sunday, I mean, last week, I got a brand new revelation on Ephesians 3.20. It's like that verse, I had never seen that verse. I mean, it's just, I have quoted that upside down, backwards, you know. And the first part of it is not a problem. Ephesians 3.20, he can do exceedingly abundantly above all I can think or imagine. Now, now we know who that is, don't we? That's the king. But then he says, according to the power that worketh in you. Then I began to realize right there, I saw it for the first time in my life, the power that works in us is just about this big. We don't get much. Well, hey, Lord, I don't want this much. I want a big bunch. Well, how am I going to get that big bunch? By renewing this man, this inward man, with the Word of God daily. And I told a man the other night, I said, you know, in fact, he told me, he said, I asked the Lord, what do I need to do? One of those phone calls I was talking with the man, different people, late Sunday night. One of them said, I wanted to walk into God kind of power. And I went to the Lord and I sought him diligently. And I said, Lord, what is it do I need to do? Do I need to do to walk in your power? And he said, he finally spoke to me. And he said, get in my word and diligently seek me for 10 years and then we'll talk. Now, how many wants to do that? When he said that, I said, you know, I didn't ask that question. I just did that. I got in the Word and studied it virtually every day. And I spent at least 5 to 15 hours a week studying the Word of God for 10 years. And then God spoke to me. And I thought, hey, that's amazing. He told you what to do. I didn't even ask. I just started doing it. And at the end of the 10 years, he just started talking. And his power started flowing. And he started answering my prayer. And I thought, wow, this is awesome. wonder why this happened. See, why did it happen? Because I'd been diligent and renewed the inward man day by day. And by renewing the inward man, the power was beginning to build up in me. And when the power gets to a certain level, you know what happens when it finally gets to a certain point? It has to come out somewhere. 
And so when it got to a certain point, you pray over somebody and that power blows out and somebody gets healed or somebody gets saved or somebody gets delivered or whatever. And then you jump back and say, goodness gracious, what happened? I got to pray that prayer and that guy has changed. Wow, Lord, this is awesome. Isn't it amazing? And now after you see it more and more, you say, Lord, I want more and more of that. Wow, I want to renew this man. Woo, do I want to renew him. I want him to be so renewed that when I ask anything in your name, I'll see it happen. Now, the king did make that statement, didn't he? Anything you ask in the name of Jesus. If my words abide in you and you abide in me, you can ask me anything you want to and I will do it for you. To think that the king of the universe made you and me that promise. So if you've hidden his word in your heart and you're walking in his kind of love, then there's no use to sweat nothing. If you ever have a problem, don't get in a tizzy about it. Just pray or just rebuke the devil and stand on it. And have no doubt it's going to happen because it will happen. What a wonderful thing to see God do. Isn't that right? Wow. Wow. Second Corinthians five six. Second Corinthians five six. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Now the body is the home or the house that you live in while you are here on earth. So that is why you must allow the Spirit to lead you. The Spirit will do right while the flesh will rise up to strike back. So you have to do something about it. The flesh will always rise up to strike back. That beast is hard to control, isn't it, Rosemary? I mean, that beast is tough. You know, I mean, you have to kill it every day. Oh, it wants to have its way. Oh, my goodness, it wants to have its way. <laughs> Ain't nobody in here that's exempt from this. Every one of us, we're flesh and blood. Now then, so we have to do something about it. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1, says this. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, this is all sins, sex, gossip, fighting, your talking, everything. You have to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Now, today, the average Christian does not know what it means to be holy, to walk before God. People come to church. I mean, they come to church living together out of wedlock and not married and think we're okay. Or they come to church knowing that that guy and gal that's living together out of wedlock ought to be cast into jail or stone, but yet they're gossiping about everybody in church. You see that couple over there? Man, they're living in sin. Let me go over and tell everybody in church about that couple. They're living in sin. 
Well, that's, you're just as bad as they are. You know? No, 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 Thurman, I couldn't be as bad as them. Yeah, gossip's part of it. You've got to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Love. The law of the new covenant. This is a powerful thing in John thirteen thirty four. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, this is the God kind of love you and I are supposed to love each other with. A new commandment that I give unto you, that you love one another. Love. I'm going to guarantee you that if we can find a Christian that can walk in the God kind of love 24-7, they will never be sick. Never. If you'll do what God says there, you won't. If you can do that. I have not obtained this yet. But if I kill it, and I will someday... God says if I walk in love, the God kind of love, that's when my faith works. And if my faith works and it works to the God kind of way, then I can ask anything and He'll do it. So see, wherever you are on the ladder of love, you ask for certain things and they happen. You ask for other things and they happen. But then maybe some other things you ask for, they don't happen. He says, nope, you're not there yet. You know, yep, you're doing pretty good. You're coming up the ladder. Or he might have said, you were doing extremely well until today. (laughs) And you just fell backwards about three steps down the rung today. Now, all of us are climbing up that ladder. It's very easy to get your eyes off something, slip on that ladder and fall backwards. We don't want to fall all the way down to the bottom. Maybe a step or two, but we want to recover right quick. And jump right back up there where we were. And we want to keep walking this God kind of love. Because just think, the promises are that if you walk in my love, then your faith works. And then you can ask me for anything and I will do it. Wow. I mean, can you only dream what you could do for the Lord and how you could be glorified? If you could, can you imagine if you had that kind of power and that kind of love, you could walk over to Cook's Medical Center and, and God could use your faith, and you could walk through there, and every child in that place, when you touch them in the name of the King Jesus, would be instantly healed. Even though they might be covered up with sins. Maybe their parents are covered up with sin. But God, if you walked in that God kind of love, He would honor your faith and do what you ask, even regardless of where they were in their sins. Can you imagine how that would glorify the King? You said, folks, I come in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's the loving God. And I want, to, I want you to take me to the worst children in Cook's Medical Center. Those that have no arms and legs or whatever, I want to pray for them first. And they said, this guy's crazy, but okay, we'll, we'll appease you. And you walk up there and here's a little child in a wheelchair. And I went in there here a while back and I saw something like this. With no arm or no leg or an arm all twisted around behind their back or a leg all grown. I mean, you... It, how many, any of y'all ever go to a children's hospital and see these things? It'll break your heart. 
but to walk up there and say, now Jesus is my king. And reach down and touch that little child. And say, in the name of the king of kings, Jesus Christ, I command your body. I command every demon in your body to leave and your body to be completely healed in the name of Jesus. And a little arm just grow out there and become normal right in front of their eyes. A little leg straighten up and a little child get up and say, Ooh, mama, I can walk. You think that would bring glory and honor to God, David? Michael? Oh, if we could only get there. That's available to us. That is available to every Christian. I mean, a few years ago, you could have told me that, and I said, no, that's not available, because I've never seen a prayer answered. But now I've seen so many answered, I know it's available. I mean, I've seen some pretty awesome things that God has done, but I know I've only skimmed the surface. If I can just walk in that true, full, God kind of love. Is that right, Gina? Yes, if we can walk in that God kind of love, there's no limitations. I mean, did the king say, if you'll do what I say, you can ask me for anything? Did he say that? So, And you reckon he meant that? He sure did. So guess whose fault it is that we're not seeing these things happen? It's us. It's us. So when we get to where we can walk in that God kind of love, wow. To see God clean out a place like that and to heal all them little children, it would be worthwhile. And then it, and then verse 35 confirmed just what I just said. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. You walk in that hospital and start saying, I come in the name of Jesus and start touching those babies and they start getting healed. All men will know. Hey, even Dr. Marks, his only statement All I got to say, sir, is somebody a whole lot bigger than me put this little girl back together. He, he, as a non-believer, had to acknowledge that there was somebody a whole lot bigger than him because he knew it was impossible to put a brain stem back together. He knew it was impossible to put her little face and her little legs and everything back together with no surgeries. But today, that precious little girl is running and playing because of this magnificent book. Isn't it wonderful what God said? How long these promises been in this book? At least 2,000 years, haven't they? And it's like we don't believe them. Of course, the other thing he also says, now don't go out and sin because if you do, it'll bring forth death. We don't believe that either, do we? No. Because if we did, the church wouldn't sin. We wouldn't sin if we thought that was true. I mean, guarantee we wouldn't sin. But the devil throws that black mantle over you. Man, he can draw you off and get you to thinking about something that you completely forget where you are. He's good. He's very good. And by this are all these miracles and by this love, all men shall know that you are my disciples. Now, the old law is fulfilled in our new... The old law is fulfilled in our new commandment of one word, love. That's all we've got to do. Now, the old law is written for us in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1. In fact, I'm not going to read even read that tonight because it's already 9 o'clock. I just now looked at my watch and I just realized it's 9. And it would take me at least 10 minutes to read or discuss just a little bit of that law. So we're going to start right there next Tuesday night 
and we'll start and see what was fulfilled in this one word of love. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this magnificent New Testament, this new covenant where you have sent your son here and he has died for us and translated us into the kingdom of light and he's given us all this wonderful power. He's put his spirit in us. If we'll just renew our mind, our body, our heart and feed our spirit the word of God where our spirit can be in control. Lord, what we can do for you will bring such glory and honor to this and all men will know by these wonderful deeds that we do that you live. And Lord, Thank you for this privilege to have this magnificent word and to walk in it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord.